0: Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. Our first lesson for this second Sunday after Christmas is found recorded in the book of Genesis chapter 17, beginning at verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will make my covenant between me and you, and I will make your descendants very numerous. Abram fell on his face. God spoke with him. He said, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. Your name will not be Abram anymore, but your name will be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a large group of nations. I will make you extremely fruitful, and I will produce nations from you. Kings will come out of you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you as an everlasting covenant throughout their generations. I will be your God and the God of your descendants after you. This is the word of the Lord. Our second lesson, which is also our sermon text for this morning, is found recorded in Galatians chapter 4, beginning at verse 4. St. Paul writes, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son to be born of a woman so that he would be born under the law in order to redeem those under the law so that we would be adopted as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts to shout, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave but a son. And if you are a son, then you are also an heir of God through Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Our gospel is taken from Luke chapter 1 beginning at the 68th verse. These words are a portion of the song of Zechariah, who is the father of John the Baptist. Blessed is the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited us and prepared redemption for his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, just as he said long ago through the mouth of his holy prophets. He raised up salvation from our enemies, And from the hand of all who hate us, in order to show mercy to our fathers by remembering his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to Abraham, our father, to grant deliverance to us from the hand of our enemies, so that we are able to serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. This is the gospel. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father. And from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. Our text for consideration is found recorded. St. Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 4, beginning at verse 4. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son to be born of a woman, so that he would be born under the law, in order to redeem those under the law, so that we would be adopted as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts to shout, Abba father. So you are no longer a slave but a son, and if you are a son, then you are also an heir of God through Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ and all who worship the newborn King, our Savior Jesus, the Redeemer. As we begin this new year, and this is January 2nd, we do so keeping in mind one important divine truth. In fact, it is a divine truth we cannot overlook, or we will certainly face terrible frustrations, perhaps even and fear and despair. And this divine truth is one that we cannot, our minds cannot even fully grasp and fully understand. It's really an article of faith. We believe it because God says it in his word. And this divine truth is simply this. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are greater than our thoughts. All we can do is see what is around us. We make judgments based on oftentimes guessing because we can't even read each other's hearts. And let alone, we struggle to read our own hearts. But the Lord does not struggle. He sees everything, he knows everything, and he has almighty power to carry out his holy desires. It is a divine truth that God's ways are always higher than our ways, and his thoughts will always be greater than our thoughts. So when the time was set and right according to God's ways and thoughts, God sent his son. And this is the Son of God. God sent his Son are profound words. In fact, these, these words really become at the heart of the gospel, the good news of, of Jesus Christ. God sent his Son. It is because of words like this that Dr. Martin Luther fell in love with the letter, Paul's letter to the Galatians. He called it his Catherine von Bora letter. It was his it was like a wife to him. He says, I'm married to this letter. And he held it so dear to his heart. And why not? God sent his son. Two obvious observations just for those few words. It was God who sent his son. We didn't send him. We didn't speed his coming. And that is even true of Judgment Day itself. There's nothing you can do to bring God's coming, and there's nothing you can do to delay it. God has it as a set time. And because he has it as a set time, his invitation is to watch and pray. And through faith in Christ, we watch and pray. But it also says God sent his son, sent past tense, We're not waiting for another Savior to be sent. Jesus is that Savior. And now, in those beautiful gospel words, he opens up the package like a present and reveals to us what's inside when it says God sent his Son. What we see inside is profound. Words cannot even begin to express it. Because this is the son that is born of a woman. Could Paul be thinking of the virgin birth? Well, the honest truth is we're all born of a woman. There are other passages that prove the virgin birth. This passage is really, these words are really proving the fact that the very son of God is the son of man. He left the glories of heaven and took on human flesh and became fully human and yet was without sin. Because this one, born of a woman, is also born, it says here, under the law. Now, I can argue with this translation because in the original language, in the original Greek language, it doesn't actually say, born under the law. There is no article in the Greek language here. And when the Greek has an article, it either means one of two things. It means it's speaking about a certain specific law, or it's speaking about something that was previously stated. But when there is no article, as is the case here, then it's talking about law in general. So for our Savior to be born under law, not just the law, it's referring to the fact that whether you're a Jew who's under the Mosaic law and all the commands that God gave, and and those commands of perfect love. Or whether you're a Gentile who does not have those commands, they were not given to you, but you're still under natural law because God has placed in all of our hearts his basic law of do's and don'ts. Like killing is wrong. That God embedded within our hearts. So whether it's the Mosaic law or natural law, all law, Jesus was born under in order to keep it. Because we failed to keep it. And because of that, that makes us sinful human beings. And the law demands, if you've sinned even just once, you're guilty of breaking all of it. And the wages of sin is death. Jesus was born under the law, as it says here, for one purpose, to redeem those under the law so that we would be adopted as sons. When I was growing up, I would oftentimes hear my parents, and I even heard it from other people, uh, talk about, oh, that pastor's sermon, that was over our head. I'm not sure I got that one. And now that I became a pastor, I always thought to myself, I was always going to be a pastor that wasn't preaching over people's head. But once again, I don't know what people are thinking. And sometimes you can preach over people's head. It's not because they actually weren't getting what you were saying. Maybe they were tired. They didn't have a good night's sleep, and and they found it hard to concentrate. But there is something a pastor can always do, and that is never assume when it comes to preaching. We use a lot of times these religious words, and they're beautiful words like righteousness and, and, and redemption and, and, and vicarious atonement. And we use these words and they just flow off our lips, expecting everyone just to, to know them. And then oftentimes speaking these words and missing out on the fact that these words... Even the words I just mentioned are actually picture words. Redemption is one of those words. To redeem those under the law, the word actually literally means to buy back or to pay the price. And the price to be paid is the word used, ransom. The word is actually used in two ways, and both really deal with finances. One, in a financial way, when you redeem your loan, you're buying back what you had loaned out so that it's free and clear and it belongs to you. And then oftentimes the word was used in the slave market, so if someone was a slave, they could be actually set free. When a ransom price was paid, it was always the principal with interest. And once that price was paid, you were no longer a slave. So a person could redeem another person. Here, we're living under the slavery of sin. That makes us a prisoner to sin. That makes us a prisoner under the law. We're living under the fear that as sinful human beings... We live under the fear of God's condemnation and anger over sin since he is a holy and just and righteous God. But the very Savior was sent, the Son of God, who is the Son of Man, came born under the law to keep what we could not keep and to do so in our behalf so it would be credited to our account and it is through faith. He paid the ransom price. And he had to do it by offering, not just keeping the law perfectly for us, but even suffering the punishment that the law demanded and that we deserved. And so we are redeemed, set free. We are forgiven because of the perfect life of Christ and the punishment he endured on the cross for the sins of the world. And the result... You are adopted as sons. Now some translations, I believe today, have added the words, you are adopted as sons and daughters. And this has become very popular to do this because we really want to include everyone, and especially the women. I actually don't like that translation because you're going to lose out on the picture language that Paul is presenting here. You see, he's not comparing and talking about all of us as sons and daughters and that we're related together in Christ Jesus. No, he's talking about the difference of slave and son. A slave worked. He was technically, you could say, property he worked for the master the son was a member of the family the slave was not the son because he was a member of the family it was the son that would receive the inheritance no one else in the family would the oldest would receive two thirds the next one in line would receive one third of the property or the business so the son was always recognized as an heir The slave could work all of his life, get paid by the master, but he never had any right to the inheritance. So when we hear that we are adopted, whether you're male or female, whether you're rich or poor, young or old, whether you're a slave or free, we are all sons of God, which means we are all heirs of everlasting life the greatest inheritance ever, and the very inheritance that our Savior has won for us all. Oh, glory be to the Lord, because he sent his Son so that we would be adopted as God's sons. Now, the temptation clearly is... Why couldn't God have done it another way? When you hear of Jesus coming as a baby, that, that's very humble. I mean, that, that here's, here's the very Son of God himself, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and, and he's going to be born and where he needs to be helped, where he needs to be fed. Diapers need to be changed. He needs to be taught how to walk. And he would present himself in such a humble way? And he's doing this for us all? Couldn't there have been another way? And then to hear how Jesus would have to go and suffer the punishment of sin on the cross in our behalf? Couldn't there have been another way? Yes, God said to Adam and Eve, To dust you are and to dust you will return. If you eat from the tree that I have commanded you not to eat from did that brought sin into the world, wouldn't it have been much more simple for God to say, even though I said that, I changed my mind and I'm not going to punish you for your sins. Why couldn't have God done that? Doesn't that make more sense? God's ways are not our ways. God's thinking is greater than our thinking. I remember a Pastor, or a professor at the seminary when that very question came to him and he chewed out the class. And I'm sat there thinking, I'm glad I didn't raise my hand. He chewed out the class. Don't ever think that way. That God could have chosen a better way. Because if God would have said, Yes, I demand punishment for sin, but now I change my mind and I won't do it, you'll always be living with wondering. If he changed his mind once, Could he do it again? You're always going to live with doubts. You're going to hope. You're going to pray that God won't change his mind, but there will always be the doubt. If he did it once, he will do it again or could. But that's not how salvation is presented, ever. God sent his son to redeem us so that we would be adopted as sons. As our brother, he took our place and paid for those sins in full. See, there is now no doubt. There is now no more fear. There is no more questioning and wondering. When we close our eyes that night, we know heaven is our home because Jesus did it all because God sent his son. And if you're still doubting, He not only sent his son, but Paul writes, he sent the Holy Spirit. It says here, God sent the spirit of son into our hearts to shout, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. He spoke, the Holy Spirit is spoken of as the spirit of the son because he testifies of the son. He does this through his holy word. This is the gospel through which he works. The very gospel promises found in the sacraments which give baptism and Lord's Supper its power and authority. This is the very Savior, the Holy Spirit, I mean. This is the very Holy Spirit who, working through that word, lives in your hearts testifying who Jesus is and what he has done for you calling you to faith in Christ Jesus. And with that believing heart, you confess, Abba, Father. You don't confess, angry God, have mercy on me. You don't simply just confess, God, you're my enemy. God, you're out to destroy me. God, stay away from me. No, you cry, Abba, Father, if he's your father and that makes you his child and is very old the word abba is the hebrew word for father some translated that it was a very common word and and you could see it as maybe dad or daddy i've always looked upon the word abba as a unique word because is that usually not the first sounds that come out of a baby's mouth is usually ah and ba now to have them together and to refer to God, even a little child, Abba Father. My dear friends, I cannot emphasize enough to be always in the Holy Word of God and to continue to grow in that gospel message of Jesus Christ through which the Holy Spirit works, not only calling you to faith, but strengthening you in the faith. Because as we face the days ahead of us in this new year, and this is a year like a field unplowed, every day is going to be different and unique. Some days are going to be sad. Some are happy. Some are going to be frustrating. Some are going to come with fear. We don't know if even a year from now, if we'll all still be here. Because God in his infinite wisdom could take us at any time to the glories of heaven. But we await with eagerness the glories of heaven. Because the Holy Spirit that testifies in our hearts points us to Jesus who redeemed us. And therefore we are re- adopted as his sons. I will have a confession to make, and that is I chose as a theme for this sermon Christmas is for children. Kind of going off of the fact that we cry out, Abba, Father. And the more I studied the text and and prepared for this sermon, the more I realized I really should have, even though it's a nice theme, I should have really instead gone with the theme, Christmas is for sons. Because the Son of God saved us so that we could all be sons of God. And in Christ Jesus... That is exactly who you are. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemevlutheran.org. May God bless you today and every day.